Thanks for listening to Shift Your Spirits. I'm Slade Robertson. For 13 years, I've been a professional intuitive and personal development blogger. I try to talk about spirituality with fewer hearts and flowers than most New Age blather. I also mentor emerging intuitives in a program called Automatic Intuition. It is Saturday, February 23rd, 2019, as I record this introduction. This week, I'm sharing a solo episode about a kind of magic spell any one of us can perform, a kind of magic I do believe has the power to change our experience of reality, if not reality itself. As always, there's an oracle segment at the end of the show, so be thinking about a question or a concern you have, hold it in your mind. I'll come back on after the final links and credits and leave you with that extra channeled message. In personal news, this week I have room to do a personal news segment before the season ends. Next week, if you're following along in real time, is the winter season finale. I have a very special, cool guest sharing her personal near-death experience. It's an amazing conversation. It's a long episode, so I won't be doing much chit-chat at the beginning of that one. So this is my chance to put a few thoughts to rest. I haven't been sharing a lot of personal news lately because my personal experiences behind the stories this season have been difficult, really shocking, surprising, emotionally up and down. I was physically ill for almost a month. Um, much of it I'm still processing, to tell you the truth. And I'm shooting all over the idea of being too negative. You know, like, I'm always afraid of being too negative or um, exposing people to that side of my personality too much. I am triggered by protecting people. That's the one thing that really, really triggers my outrage is feeling like, People that I'm responsible for in some way are being attacked. And that's the thing that will always get me more than someone even coming for me personally. But there's only so much ranting that I want to be known for. I mean, as much as I love Julia Sugarbaker and um, many of her famous tirades, um, we all want to be a little bit of her at certain times and places. But I don't want to be that all the time. And um, I don't want to be that for multiple episodes of this show. But if I'm going to be true to the personal news this season, the real truth is that after being confronted with some predatory behavior in my own Facebook community, I, you know, and all the stuff that happened with those who shall not be named, um, I considered pulling the plug on everything. I really did. Maybe I was just sick and emotionally drained, but I really spent a lot of time thinking about it and talking to my moderators about it and to some of my friends. Um, everything I've spent the last 13 or 15 years working on here in this sort of new age sphere, I just really thought about just getting out. I already write fiction under two other pen names, and there's still one of those that's still entirely an anonymous identity, and I could just go and inhabit that and just write stories and not engage publicly anymore um, at all. I don't want to work anywhere near money-hungry gurus and shams and frauds and manipulators and delusional people. 
I don't want to be confused with any of those people. I don't want to have to constantly differentiate myself anymore. I feel like we've spent a decade together doing that. And honestly, this past month, I felt like they were still winning. I'm just not having enough impact. And I didn't feel I had it in me to keep trying to change the perception of what we do and what we're about. I was kind of ready to concede. You guys can have it. Have the new age sphere. I'm out. That's really what I was fantasizing about a lot. And then the bullshit of being legally threatened by the very people who have already wronged me and those in my community. That was a really hard thing to take. Never mind that they would never win those lawsuits. And yes, I could probably countersue and all that crap. Thank you to everyone who wrote to me in outrage, backing me up and suggesting that I do as much and, you know, wanting me to. Um, I have to let the universe sort them out. I don't have the bandwidth for the mental stress and the internal arguments, those constant like voices and conversations that you're having in your head when you're at war with someone, um, all that strategizing and what you should say and what you should have said and all that back and forth and, you know, analyzing of, of communications and text and snark. And I just, uh, it's meant to be emotionally draining It's a kind of terrorism, really, especially the lawsuits, the threats, the cease and desist, all that stuff. It's meant to wear us down, you know, and to waste financial resources. This is how people who are driven by money silence other people. But I have other things to say in the world. I have a lot of other things that I'd rather talk about. And I do love podcasting, and I don't think I will stop working in this medium anytime soon. My more constructive plan at this point is to pivot, to actually tug that much harder over here in my direction, once I get all my strength back, to drag it all away from the woo-woo even further. Not just fewer hearts and flowers, but a lot more rubber meat in the road. I do choose to have a magical worldview, but I want it to work in my real life, in your real life, now, here, on earth, in this lifetime, in the third dimension. I told my friend Jeff that I was pulling a soft Doreen, not, not a full implosion, born again in the other direction, just an honest accounting of how my beliefs have evolved. Not pulling down what I've already put out there, but revisiting some of it and sharing what's different for me now. It's going to take a while to turn a boat this big, you know, and I couldn't change it overnight if I wanted to, and maybe that was a good thing. At the end of the day, living well is the best revenge. The one person who was kicked out over the scandal of unethical marketing practices in our group did take a few friends with them, But we're talking three people, you know, out of 700 and something in the community and um, a few thousand of you out there listening to all the shows in the feed and then another 30,000 of you in email. Um, Three people. 
wow, maybe there's a few out there who secretly, you know, hate me and are still lurking. I don't know. But my Patreon support is almost back to where it was before those three people left. So thank you to the new people who showed up to sort of heal that hole. It really meant a lot, especially in these last couple of weeks. And before I forget, I do want to say thank you to my newest supporters this week on Patreon, Jennifer Setterfield, Pat Branham, and Carrie Palmer. Thanks to all of you who continue to pledge your support on Patreon. It demonstrates that you're enjoying the show and you want it to continue. It's a vote of confidence. It's very encouraging to me, so thank you. To find out how you can become a patron, support my time in producing this show, and access the extra bonus content, please go to patreon.com slash shiftyourspirits. I promise if you keep searching for everything beautiful in this world... You will eventually become it. Tyler Kent White. I didn't write that. Tyler did, according to this pretty meme I saw with his quote. My hairstylist, Dari, is, as many stylists are, a down-low psychotherapist. (laughs) And we've actually had lots of really great discussions about the concept of glamour and the beauty industry and how not only are a lot of stylists um, informal psychotherapists uh, who hold space for their clients and give advice and um, generally become listeners, um, but that there's also a physical component of transformation that happens when you go to see your stylist that you don't get out of going to a therapist, there's an added additional, you know, glamour magic involved and you actually physically leave not only maybe having a moment of clarity about your conversation, but um, feeling different in your own body in a really real measurable way that you can observe, you know, you feel differently going out than you did going in and how empowering that is and how, You know, beauty is not necessarily superficial. A lot of how you view the the magic and the grace and the power within something that seems at first glance to be superficial is, is really a matter of perspective. It's a choice as is happiness and misery. (laughs) And um, the last time I was in speaking with her was part of an ongoing conversation because I have known her for so long. I can, you know, kind of keep bringing up these past relationships and uh, giving updates on what's going on. And we were talking about someone in my world who is an extremely miserable person who is having an impact on all of the people around her and how, you know, this is someone who is always complaining, is never happy with her job. Um, Nothing is ever enough. Um, She seems to be somewhat unconscious about the fact that, that she is so negative and that she's not willing to change anything and no suggestion is ever good enough. There's always an excuse why that won't work. Um, there's a real lack of uh, any motivation to change and a real lack of awareness that the change happens with her, you know, that it's a choice to say, oh God, I don't like feeling this way anymore. I'm going to choose another way of looking at my life. Um, 
because she's one of those people where all of her problems are external. They're all other people's fault. And so Dari mentioned gratitude and she started talking about how as a Christian, um, she's observed, you know, this pattern in pastor sermons and messaging and um, groups that she facilitates and supplemental material that she reads and studies in addition to the Bible. And she said, you know, that she feels like faith um, and what it is that we want from faith or from religion or from spirituality that's not necessarily religious, um, that it all comes down to her to be an act of gratitude, which is an act of will and an act of choice uh, to be grateful. Um, And how gratitude, you know, can shift something that is relatively on paper, very meager and simple, and what some might say is poverty, but there can be someone who lives with very little, who feels extreme abundance and gratitude. And there will be people who obviously have everything in the world who never feel any gratitude and they never feel any happiness or um, peace or joy. And I said, you know, that's, that's really interesting that you observe that within evangelical Christianity within modern Christian church teachings that that you identify gratitude and that mental shift as being the core value because from my new age perspective over here in this camp, gratitude is very much a buzzword in a motivator and a, and a basis for so much of what we do in seeking peace and joy and happiness and, you know, better lives and better mindsets. And um, just for the record, Dari and I, our appointments, which are standing appointments that happen every other week because I have a barbered style haircut, um, they're kind of like these mini summits, you know, between the new age and, and the new Christian. Um, here in the part of the world where I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee, it's a pretty hipstery kind of place. There's a lot of startup tech and a lot of outdoorsy athletes um, climbing boulders and, you know, river rafting and all that kind of stuff. And um, so there, there's an element of the culture within the city that we kind of think of as hipster Christians. And I don't mean that in any kind of disparaging way. It's actually... Um, you know, a certain kind of cool, sophisticated, intelligent, liberal, um, younger generation and, and community of people who are shifting their Christian beliefs and exercises into new and more interesting areas. Um, if I had started this podcast earlier, I would have talked a lot about this place called The Camp House, which is a um, cafe that I went to for several years. I, I wrote at least two books, maybe three books at the camp house. And um, the camp house is a church on the weekends and on Wednesday night. And during the day, it's a cafe, a really amazing cafe and restaurant. And at night, it's a music venue, um, which I thought was a really cool concept for, you know, um, reinventing what a church could be as a kind of community center. Um, 
I'm sure that that idea is has proliferated throughout the country. And, um, you know, this is something, though, that 10 years ago was was pretty new and, and cool. Um, and I spent a lot of time there because it was a really great environment for people who went to study and drink coffee with their laptops and to write and, um, do all that stuff, you know, that I talk about doing. Um, fortunately for me, I was able to, um, now have the wildflower atmosphere, which is a little bit more, new age and and kind of familiar to my aesthetic uh so to speak but um i like the place that i'm in in my life where i don't have so much resent and um just knee-jerk hatred for the christian world because i live smack in the middle of it and um there's a reason why I'm here. There's a reason why I'm always pulled back here. And so I can't be in something where I'm angry and miserable all the time. I have to find a way to um, meet it somewhere that it makes sense for me. And so Dari's one of those people in my world who represents that population. You know, it's kind of like, oh, I wish all Christians were like you. You know, I wish all churches were like the camp house. Anyway, Dari told me about, as we were talking about gratitude um, as an act, as a contemplative act, she told me about a Christian author named Anne Voskamp who wrote this book called A Thousand Gifts. And I haven't read the book. I kind of glanced at it a little bit. I don't know that I necessarily will. I don't read a lot of self-help nonfiction, but I like the concept of this book a lot. And Dari assures me that um, the book, if you did want to read it, it is from a Christian perspective and she does talk about God a lot. So if that word is triggering to you, you might, you know, need to know that. But um, she said part of the reason why it's so amazing is it's not just a list. It's a really contemplative writing, um, you know, comparable to the meditations of Buddhist monks, you know, um, and that this woman is a, a really beautiful writer and her prose is lovely. And, um, just reading the book itself is, is kind of a temp- contemplative vibe. So anyway, I checked it out and, um, and I'm sort of stealing the concept without really fully exploring where that particular author took it. Um, and I don't, I'm not really stealing it. It's a, it's a concept a lot of us, you know, take on and do in, in different kind of ways. But, you know, I'm very much guilty of pessimism and negative negativity, um, negative mindset, glass half empty kind of stuff. Some of that I think is like, my double Scorpio situation. I mean, Scorpio is a lot to deal with um, in terms of being really aware of pain and darkness in other people, a well as well as where you can go sort of existentially in your own mindset. And I always say, you know, if you are going through something really dark and heavy and you're afraid it's going to bum other people out, find a Scorpio. Go talk to somebody with a lot of Scorpio in their chart because they can um, transmute that energy and they have a great capacity to hold space for that and not be bummed out by it necessarily. But it is an occupational hazard for what I do. Um, I also grew up with a father who is what I used to think of as a total Eeyore, um, very much like this other negative person that's in my family right now where, 
there, you've always got an enemy, work always sucks, but you won't do anything about it and find something else to do, and all your problems are outside yourself, and you're totally depressed, yet you don't believe in depression, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I, I grew up with that. I mean, my father is um, a sweet guy, and if you met him, you'd think, oh, he's really nice, but to be around him on an ongoing basis is to absorb a lot of negative programming and negative voices. Um, and when you grow up in that environment, you know, I wasn't aware till I was 30 what that was and how that had happened and, and what the phenomenon was that I grew up with in, in being around him and, uh, and the voices that he was probably channeling as well. So, you know, my Saturn return when I was 29, 30 years old had a lot to do with becoming aware of that negative perspective within myself and how those voices that I'd taken on were polluting my experience, my perspective on life, my capacity for joy, my ability to be affectionate with people. And Seth taught me this, which was bizarre that I can credit him for teaching me the power of reframing because I was almost 30 years old and he was 21, 22 years old. And miraculously at that age, he was still one of the wisest people that I've ever encountered and one of the most effective therapists that I've ever had to this day, including, you know, last night or this morning, you know, um, we have an ongoing conversation that's been going on for 20 years and um, you know, our texts are epic, (laughs) Um, but you hear me speak about Seth off often and you know, he's sort of the Gail to my Oprah. Um, But one of the reasons why that relationship is so important to me is because he taught me how to see something in myself that I was able to go, Oh my God, that needs to be flipped and then to train me and how to police that and, and to, to shift my negative voices. Um, Oprah helped really popularize and mainstream the, the concept of gratitude journaling. And it's actually for me connected to the practice of Julia Cameron's morning pages, which from the artist's way, which were popularized kind of around the same time period, I feel like, that Oprah was into morning pages and gratitude journaling and and all that stuff. It feels to me, I could be wrong, but it feels like it was all kind of happening in the zeitgeist at the same time, and it definitely came into my consciousness around the same time. And, you know, just prior to that, even before Seth came along and kind of, you know... um, invited me into this shifting conversation, um, I had instinctively experimented with this journal exercise that I call the Book of Faded Green. And I think I did an episode very early on in this podcast where I talk about the Book of Faded Green and um, how life-changing that exercise was. But basically, just to take you back a little bit and, and catch you up on on what that was, you know, I 
have always kept journals from a very early age. And I always thought of myself as a diarist and as many angsty young teenage writers do, you know, I, I poured my soul into all kinds of free prose and, um, I, did a lot of contemplative writing and and whining. And one of the things that I noticed after decades of doing this kind of journal keeping is that I started to think, what is this for? It's all just like a dumping ground for all this angst and unhappiness. And look at the volumes and volumes that I've filled with this. It, it's not useful to anybody. I don't want to revisit it. Why would I want to revisit the pain that I've exercise, you know, um, and certainly why would anybody else ever want to visit this? There's nothing in this for anyone else. And I knew that in order to be the kind of writer that I wanted to be, it had to be something that I was making for other people. Um, I don't believe in like, oh, I'm just writing for myself. No, I'm not. I'm writing for someone to hear me. Um, I'm writing for a witness. I need a mirror. I need someone to get what I'm putting out there and, and say, I see you, I hear you, I totally feel it. Um, you know, I mean, that's the impulse, right? So I decided to start doing thematic journals, meaning I had all these cool blank books. I have an entire shelf where people gift me these really beautiful handmade books and journals. And and that's something, I guess, as a writer, people th- think of as being a perfect gift for you. And in a way it is because all writers love a beautiful empty book that they haven't ruined yet. <laughs> um, there's nothing more beautiful. And I've always loved the concepts of grimoires and, you know, spell books and all that kind of stuff. So um, I decided to create these um to kind of fracture my journaling into different topics. And so depending on the appearance of the book, I would create a topic that kind of went with that aesthetic concept of that book. And so I had this one book that was this really faded, um, mossy green. And I decided that the idea of green was about, you know, life force and energy and, um, but it, but it was faded. And I decided that that would be a journal that I would dedicate to only writing solutions in. And so the rule for that journal was you could whine, you could mention something negative, but it had to be the first phrase in a sentence that ended with a possible solution or ended with a possible way to shift that or ended with a possible thing that you could try that would negate that or move away from it or solve it in some way. So um, the interesting thing was over the months or however long it took me to fill that book, it might have been a couple of years, um, it had this really kind of suede nap to it. So it was like a mossy green color. And from being handled by my hands and absorbing the oil and and being rubbed on, um, the cover, the texture of the material actually changed to this shiny green, almost looks like a new leaf kind of color. And so the book itself 
magically transformed as I used it. It went from being faded green to being new green to this shiny kind of new life thing. And so it was this entire magical ongoing grimoire journaling exercise about reframing, though at the time I didn't really call it that. And then years later, even from this, I used reframing to change my relationship with abundance and escape poverty um, to get out of one of the really worst periods of my life. And several years after that, well into this Shift Your Spirits journey, it became the money shift. And I put it out there and shared it with other people. And the concept of the exercise in the money shift is reframing and it can be adapted to just about any number of things that you need to shift your consciousness around your attitude your perspective your resistance your negative voices anything that needs to be reprogrammed um the name of this blog this podcast shift your spirits really has always been at its core a message about the power of reframing and there is a hardcore relationship between reframing and gratitude in the context that Dari was bringing it to me. Um, it's a kind of neuro-linguistic programming. It's, it's reprogramming. So the past year has been really hard for me because of my relationship with this toxic family member. And it's someone who married into my family. So I'm not, you know, it's not one of those, oh, you can't choose your family. Well, someone chose this person and brought them in. And um, I feel quite a bit of resentment about that because I didn't marry this person. I didn't choose to bring them into into our world. Um Anyway, this is the person that I was discussing with my stylist. And, you know, I never had feuds with anyone. I don't fall out with my family members. There aren't branches of my family that I don't speak to because of some grievance in the past. And I never really fought with my brother. I mean, we wrestled and, you know, spatted as children in a kind of playful sparring kind of way but we never fought as teenagers certainly not as adults we i just have never you know i know people who have relationships with their brothers and sisters that are very you know toxic and up and down and roller coaster and they go through periods of not speaking and they have horrible arguments and then they have to make up and then you know things are always kind of stewing in the background and I just I don't have that with my brother that is not part of my existence that's not how I roll but I am a Leo and um, we're triggered by a desire to protect those that we believe are in our charge in some way um, like nothing pisses a Leo off more than you going after someone that they perceive as being under their care. So carrying around all that outrage is really exhausting. And there was a period in my life for many years where I, that was my existence. I was a walking Julia Sugarbaker all the time. And, um, you know, after my Saturn return, after living with Seth and sort of going through that transformation and then turning it into essentially my business, 
um, I can't, I can't be in that anymore. You know, I can't carry that for any length of time. I will choose to put it down. And, you know, it's not like it doesn't come back up every once in a while. I mean, it's not like doing the money shift for 30 days means that those negative voices never creep back in. You're learning a skill in how to address them that goes on forever. But the exercise is an ongoing choice. And, you know, reframing negative voices is kind of like chiropractic. It's like you're shifting, shifting, shifting in the right direction. And then, you know, kind of sliding back a little bit as each life encounter wants to pull you in another direction. And then you have to shift, shift, shift again back where you want it to go. Um, And it's a, a little bit of a back and forth tug of war. And I usually practice now these days what people would call quote-unquote gratitude journaling in the car as a kind of gratitude channeling. Um, Driving allows me to sort of look around and observe things other than just the walls of my office. And when I'm feeling particularly dark and feeling sort of desperately negative – I just start naming anything that I like, just anything I can remark on positively. I mean, this is a like pull the emergency lever, break the glass kind of scenario. Okay, the clouds are cool looking today. That tree over there is beautiful. I love where you can see the mountains from this stretch of highway. I just start looking around. What can I name? What can I label? What can I say something nice about? Um, I just grab on. And I start that shift. Um, And this is what I do when I've forgotten myself. And I feel like I've shifted into a lot of unconscious negative voices. I'm like, okay, I'm in the car. I'm shifting. I'm gratitude shifting. What do I see? What can I think about? And I was just thinking a few days ago that I really needed to do some round of more focused, intense, sort of ongoing, committed gratitude shifting comparable to something like the Book of Faded Green or doing the money shift. You know, I needed a thing. And a meme popped up on Facebook. It was Susan Hyatt. I think that I I saw it posted on her wall first. And the meme says, did you know you can rewire your brain to be happy by simply recalling three things you're grateful for every day for 21 days? And I thought, why, yes. Yes, I do know <laughs> some version of that concept anyway, if not this exact statistic. And that statistic is unverified, by the way. I don't care. If you want to go verify it and find out why it's 21 days, feel free. It's the spirit of it, and it works for me, and it worked in that moment as an aha. And Susan suggested it as kind of a challenge to her Facebook friends, and she asked if others wanted to participate with her in doing this for 21 days and posting it. And like I needed anything else to do on my to-do list that has a daily check-in, But the synchronicity was hard to ignore, and sometimes my spontaneous decisions end up being the best ones. So I just said, yes, I'll do it, and I posted right then and there. And you may have seen me, if you're listening to this in real time, posting on my personal page or in the Shift Your Spirits Facebook group. I missed a day. You know, who cares? I just kind of picked up where I left off and kept counting. I'll still do 21 days, even if there are some extra holes in there. Um 
What I am doing though is I'm trying to pick three different things every day and not just repeat versions of the same thing. Because my stylist told me that one of the things she loved most about reading this woman's book, you know, The Thousand Gifts, was how much after you run through this sort of obvious list of things that you have to be grateful for, you really have to contemplate and observe and reach deep into these most mundane, tiny moments and aspects of your life to find new sources of beauty. For instance, she talked about being particularly moved by this one passage on washing dishes and observing the miraculous surface and behavior of soap bubbles. Um, And she talked about the way in which it was written. You know, it was just such a gorgeous kind of meditation in itself. And I thought, yes, the magic in the mundane. That's where real magic is found. And I don't want magic to be woo-woo. Not nearly as much as I need magic to be real. This is something that Toni Morrison, the author, the novelist, talks about. And uh, that's been in my consciousness since I uh, was a teenager, thanks to her. This idea of stream of consciousness and the magic and the mundane. And so I thought, yeah, you know, it'd be really interesting to see where you might go after 21 days. Because three items for 21 days is only 63 items, assuming you don't repeat anything. So, you know, what's it going to take to discover 1,000 things, 1,000 mundane, magical things? If you keep doing three a day, that's going to take you 333 days. So there's all kinds of numerology there. And, um, and that math, you know, immediately draws my attention to the three by three strategy, which is more threes that I enact to make things happen. And so I kind of feel like this is a new magic spell that we could do right now. I mean, new to us in this moment, deciding and choosing to do it or whenever it is that this runs across your radar. You know, it all has threads sort of running through so many different memes and themes connected to Shift Your Spirits. You could do this as part of your reboot, as part of the free writing sort of journaling part of that process. Finding a list of a thousand things at three per day would essentially be like doing three energy reboots back to back. And here's the secret about the reboot. You don't stop after three months anyway. You do it indefinitely. That's what happens when you fall into a practice and it becomes a source of peace and energy and joy. You keep doing it because not doing it sucks. It just becomes a part of of how you live your life. And if you fall on the wagon and you need to get back on, you start up with it again. There's no pressure to any of these quote-unquote challenges. Mix them up. Make them work for you. But the first thing that you want to do is just kind of break it down in chunks. A thousand things, you know, nine months of listing gratitude. That sounds like a, that sounds like a big exercise. 
Um, but just work it in stages. You know, the first part, the first stage is just three things per day for 21 days. That's not even a month. That's three weeks, right? Let's do that part first and see where it gets us. And I think it might be cool if people post their daily gratitude in the Shift Your Spirits community all the time. Hell, post it every day. Don't be shy. Stick a cool picture on it. Nobody's going to be annoyed with seeing nice things. If anything, for the lurkers and the scrollers, it still impacts us because we see that in the moment and we see others commenting and chiming in with theirs. And maybe we do feel the urge to post our own. Maybe we don't, but we think about it. What are mine? What three things am I grateful for today? It's hard to see other people saying that and not automatically think it. So everyone's shifting together. What if it becomes a habit? What if it becomes like stopping to take deep breaths for a minute or, you know, stopping to correct your posture every once in a while or stand up and move your body when you've been sitting for too long? Listen, we are diving toward extinction of our species and the death of our planet. And when I started this blog, I believed that we were on the verge of ascension. And then the last couple of years or so, uh, I really worry that we're riding out the last days and we have shifted away from elevating the human race. And we need to pull out of this nosedive fast. So people shifting in their own bubbles, shifting against one another, shifting into each other, connecting, networking, shifting in mass, like the foaming clouds of soap bubbles in your kitchen sink. That's magic. And I do believe that could change the world. Thanks again for listening to the Shift Your Spirits podcast. For show notes, links, transcripts, and all the past episodes, please visit shiftyourspirits.com. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever app you prefer. If you'd like to get an intuitive reading with me or download a free ebook and meditation to help you connect with your guides, please go to sladeroberson.com. And if you're interested in my professional intuitive training program, you can start the course for free by downloading the attunement at automaticintuition.com. Before I go, I promise to leave you a message and answer to a question or concern you may have. So take a moment to think about that. Hold it in your mind or speak it out loud. I'll pause for just a few seconds right now. Even when something has been damaged, its true power remains. The true essence of people, of ideas, of places and times and civilizations is permanent. That energy doesn't leave. It can always be transformed. Learn from the past. Take seeds from the past and use them to make even greater achievements in the present, to grow something even bigger and better in the future. And I'll talk to you later.